your way to the front here. Uh, Anne and I had the privilege of welcoming uh, Palmer and artists to Lancaster County uh, yesterday afternoon, had a pleasant uh, evening meal with them at the Colombian restaurant in Ephrata, and um, gets a thumbs up, so that's good. Um, this past fall, the Good Grounds and Second Mile Sunday School class uh, studied uh, Palmer's book, Anabaptist Essentials, Ten Signs of a Unique Christian Faith. And in the book, he made the mistake of saying he encourages people to engage in dialogue with him about the, the values here and all of that. So here he is, and we're excited that you're here uh, today. Palmer and Artis have four adult children, two in Ontario, where they live now and have for about the last 13 years, one in New York and one in California. Uh, Palmer pastored for 25 years. You have some of these items in your uh, bulletin. He worked for the General Conference Mennonite Church uh, for about 10 years. And for the last 10 years, he's been traveling around North America and around the world uh, doing teaching trips related uh, to things like Anabaptist essentials. He's been to Asia, the Middle East, South America, and Africa during that time. One thing I learned just last evening is that uh, Palmer is trying to retire. And I know we have some people in this congregation who are trying to do the same. Maybe you could compare notes. As part of his trying to retire, he let us know that he has a discernment committee to help him decide when to say yes and when to decline an invitation. And this visit to Lancaster was up against British Columbia, Brazil, and Uganda, among those mentioned. And he came to Lancaster County. So, Palmer, we're blessed to have you here, and uh, we enjoy hearing your uh, uh, sermon this morning. Bruce, thank you very yeah. much. It's an honor to be here and, and a joy to hear you sing. You ought to be charging admission. Uh, and, uh, but it's uh, certainly a praise to be, uh, to be here with you today. Uh, and you ought to appreciate your, uh, your pastor, Todd. Uh, one, one reason is he, he's my f uh, cousin, one's removed. <laughs> so you treat him good. The other is that when I resigned from uh, being director of the pastoral ministries program, Todd was my nominee to be my uh, replacement, and you won out. So uh, I'll forgive you for that, but uh, uh, treat him good. I must admit that what I've prepared uh, to share this morning is not a usual sermon. Uh, the message will, will have ten points instead of traditional three. And in each of those points, I'm going to ask and answer a question, show you a diagram on the screen, and tell you a little story. Don't worry, I have it timed. <laughs> Although they say a, a guest pastor can go over the 20 minutes just a little bit sometime. In brief, the bookmark that you have in your hand is an outline of my message. And I'd encourage you to take the, uh, the bookmark out of your bulletin and, and hold it while I, I share what uh, God has given me to share. I'll seek to bring together my understanding of the kingdom of God which uh, the passage from Matthew 6 you've read so effectively, and how the Mennonites are seeking to be part of that kingdom. In brief, the bookmark that you have in your hand is an outline of this message. It, it will help us uh, look at the Christian faith 
from a Mennonite perspective. Hopefully it will lead us into some good discussion during the uh, study hour. As you think back over the past week, how much time and energy did you give to clothes? Uh, did you give to food? I hope you men gave a little bit of attention to food. How much time and energy did you give to uh, financial or health concerns? Jesus knew, Jesus knew that these were basic concerns. But in today's passage, he says, there is something that is even more important than, than those things. The three statements on your bookmark are three core values of the Christian faith. And I believe they go back to the very beginning of the church. And they are basic to how we understand the church. In fact, I believe they are basic to the kingdom of God as we have it described in the, in the scriptures. Uh, a core value is something fun, of fundamental value, something we're willing to live for or even die for. And the kingdom of God was of fundamental importance to Jesus. He, he lived and he died to inaugurate the kingdom here on earth. It's not just something that's in the future that's going to happen when Jesus comes back. We want to see it as something that happens right now. When Jesus came on the scene, he began by saying, as recorded in Mark 1.14, the kingdom is, of God is, has arrived. It's very near. And uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Make that the first priority in your life. If you do that, these other things like clothes and food and finances and life expectancy will all fall into place. The kingdom is what Jesus came to inaugurate. And probably what to say, the kingdom of God is the center of our faith because it was so central to Jesus. Our three core values are basic to our understanding of the Christian faith from the beginning. Uh, I'd invite you to say them with me. Jesus is the center of our faith. Community is the center of our life. Reconciliation is the center of our work. Just as there are Catholic and Lutheran or Baptist Christians, so there are Mennonite Christians or Mennonites who see, or the, who see the Christian faith from a Mennonite or Anabaptist perspective. When people ask, who are the Mennonites, sometimes we kind of fudge a little bit. We say, well, we're pretty much like everybody else. We, we believe in God and, and salvation by grace, the inspiration of the scriptures, the church as the body of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, but we, we kind of leave it there. However, we believe in these differences a little bit differently than most Christians, or any way traditionally we have. Uh, Jack Trout, the author of Differentiate or Die, says, if an organization does not have something unique to offer, it will die. And as Mennonites, I, I believe we have a something distinct uh, that we have to offer to the Christian faith. And so today I want to uh, unapologetically 
identify those things that kind of distinct us, uh, distinguish us in relationship to the kingdom of God and, and the church. And uh, say, what life-giving insights do we have to offer? So uh, if you would, Im- imagine that we're having a potluck dinner and all the denominations are invited to put on the table that which is special for them, that which is unique or a unique teaching. What would we as Anabaptist people put on that table and say, come and eat, come and feast and enjoy these things that God has given to us? So I'd like to look at the 10 differences and, uh, and recognize what those might be. The first difference is very basic. It's trying to answer the question, what is Christianity? Um, That sounds simple enough, but people do answer it in different ways or feel differently about it. Some might say Christianity is a set of beliefs. Others might say it's a spiritual experience that I had out in the woods or somewhere. Uh, Or some would say uh, it has to do with forgiveness or with getting to go to heaven. Still others believe that the Christianity is pretty much the same as being a member of a church. In one sense, Christianity is all of these. And, and yet from a Mennonite perspective, Christianity is discipleship. It is following Jesus in everyday life. Uh, when my dad was 17, he told me about how he struggled to become baptized and a member of the church. And he had some English friends who were from a, a Baptist uh, or other background who asked, Joe, he said, are, are you a Christian? Are, are, are you going to heaven for eternal life? Are you saved? And it confused him. That wasn't the way he heard it in his home church. And so his pastor asked him, Joe, are you Nick Falga Christi? Are you a follower of Christ? And my dad said he beamed and he says, yes, that's who I am. And that's a little bit the difference that we, that we have. We, we have beliefs, we have spiritual experience, but essentially the Christian faith, we see the Christian faith from a point of discipleship. Christianity is discipleship. A second difference, if you might want to call it that way, is is how do we interpret the scriptures? Um, There's a lot of trouble in the Christian faith that's due to wrong ways of interpreting the scriptures or various ways. Many Christians have a a flat Bible. They they lay it open and they say, I just do what it says. They don't really consider the culture or uh, or what it meant when it was... It was written. They pretty well equate Old Testament, New Testament writings or so. It's caused a lot of problems. Uh, Zionists think of the Bible in terms of periods or dispensations, and especially about Israel. How is Israel formed? How is it preserved? And and how is it uh, now in, in history today? Christians from an Anabaptist perspective interpret the scriptures from a Christ-centered point of view. Jesus is not only the center of our faith, Jesus is also the fullest revelation of God and God's will. 
He said numerous times, you've heard it said, but I say to you, he had the last word. And we, uh, uh, we recognize that God spoke to Abraham, and then with increasing clarity, he spoke to Moses and to David and to the prophets. But finally, in Hebrews 1, he says, um, Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son. He is the reflection of God's glory. Does it make any difference how we interpret the scripture? Don't we just read it and do it? Uh, I learned from painful experience that that's not necessarily true. Uh, My brother and I grew up in the same home, a fine Christian home. We went to the same school. We went to the same church. But then after high school, he went to a rather fundamentalist college that, that taught the flat Bible and taught this central place of Israel while I went to Goshen College where they drilled into us. You, you interpret the scriptures from a Christ, Christian point of view, a Christ-centered point of view. My brother and I became two very different people. My, my brother finally landed up in the religious right with uh, concerns uh, very different than my own about immigration or about earth warming, about gun control, and a variety of things. And it, and it really stemmed back to how do we study the scriptures? What texts do we think are most important? So I, I found three statements rather helpful. One is, if two scriptures seem to disagree, let Jesus be the referee. He's the final authority. Or uh, my missionary friend Peter Keller says, if all the Bible does is introduce me to Jesus, that is already enough. He says it does a lot more, but that is a central focus. Or when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, he, he didn't just say that's for the future. He meant what he said, and he said it for us. So, I believe this is a positive thing that we have to offer. The third question might be, what is our final authority that relates to this first statement on your your card? Jesus is the center of our faith. There seem to be three main levels of authority. Some, which I would call Satan's philosophy, is uh, do your own thing. Do what feels good. However, we know from experience that when we follow that line, we get into deep trouble and at the end is chaos. Most people see government as their final authority. If uh, government is functioning properly, it comes up with, uh, with the law and order, and that's good. The scriptures encourage us to obey the law and uh, submit to government. We want to obey government as far as discipleship will allow. And how do we know that? Uh, One fourth of July, I I was pastor and I had my congregation stand and pledge their allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I don't know if there's any other pastor that would ever do that. But then I had them turn and face the big screen in the center. Uh, 
and we said together, I pledge my supreme allegiance to Jesus Christ and to the kingdom for which he stands, a kingdom which offers love and justice for all. I think people got the connection that we do pay respect to our government, but there are times when we have to say, uh, I must obey God rather than any human authority. So who is my ultimate authority? Who is that for us? Not my boss or my government or even the Bible. I respect them. But it's Jesus Christ who is the highest authority in our lives. Jesus is the center of our faith. So in the Christian faith, from a Mennonite perspective, we say Jesus is the center. We say Christianity is discipleship. Jesus is to be followed in daily life. The, the scriptures are Christ-centered. We need to, they need to be interpreted in the spirit of Jesus. And Jesus is Lord of all situations, and that makes him the norm of both our personal and social ethics. Our second core value also has three questions related to it. Community is the center of our lives. I believe that community is what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom is where there are right relationships with God, with ourselves, with each other, and with the whole world. The kingdom is where God is king. And if God is king in our lives, then the kingdom is within us. If God is king in our home or our community, then that is where the kingdom is near or is taking place. I believe that community is what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom is where there are right relationships with God, with each other, and with the world. So if community is to be the center of our lives, what's essential? What is essential for community to happen? Most Christians throughout history, including Martin Luther, have given primary attention to, to vertical forgiveness. That is, forgiveness from God. Vertical forgiveness is indeed very important. Uh, it is uh, basic it is essential for salvation. But Jesus gave even more attention to horizontal forgiveness. That is forgiveness of each other. So while vertical forgiveness is essential for salvation, horizontal forgiveness is essential for community. And that requires confession and forgiveness, which comes hard. While the Lord's Supper is often a very somber remembrance of Christ's death, and should be, the Lord's Supper can also be experienced. And in the Anabaptist, early Anabaptist times, it was experienced as a joyful celebration. Participants could rejoice that they were both forgiven by God and by forgiven by each other. And because of that, they could experience unity and fellowship together. A further difference in relationship to community is how do we discern the will of God? As a kid, I asked, what does God want me to do? It bugged me and wanted to know. How do we find that out? Uh, 
stereo probably, but in, in megachurches, uh, sometimes uh, people look to a, a strong leader or a dictatorial pastor to tell them what to do and what to, what to think. Uh, in uh, a pietistic church, they might say, just go into your closet and pray, and God will tell you what to do. How do we as Christians from a Mennonite perspective discern the will of God or know what God wants us to do? I believe it is in what we call giving and receiving counsel. When a new person becomes member of our churches, we ask them, are you willing to give and receive counsel in the context of this fellowship? In a broader sense, we give and receive counsel in the church through preaching, teaching, and through dialogue. And you might ask me, or you might ask Todd, how, how do you discern what to preach on Sunday? And how do you discern what is truth and what is not? I had a very fortunate experience in my last pastorate in uh, Canby, Oregon, where every uh, Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, there were four people who joined me. On Monday and Tuesday, I would choose my text or my theme, and, and then on Wednesday morning, we would brainstorm. How does, how does this apply to where we're living our lives in the community? In other words, we, we gave and received counsel in terms of what does this passage mean for our lives. I was very fortunate to have that situation, and I'm, and I'm very thankful for it. So how do we discern the will of God in our tradition? We discern it by giving and receiving counsel in our families, in our youth groups, in our churches, in a variety of ways. A third difference in the area of community uh, might be in terms of how we seek to organize so that community can be emphasized. Throughout most of history and even today, uh, Christians have spent uh, a good bit of their time in large congregations like this, which is good, or in building cathedrals like the Notre Dame. And uh, they, they are real expressions of Christian faith. But uh, that has left lots of people without the warm fellowship that God wants us to have. So our God, who lives in community, wants us to also enjoy the fellowship and joy of community. So I believe we need to take some of our clues from there. Jesus began his ministry by choosing a group of 12. And even within that group of 12, he had three uh, special close partners in, G in James, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John. And the early church met in small groups in each other's homes. Everyone, I believe, needs to have some kind of a face-to-face -face group. We need to belong, and to belong a group, to a group that helps us to to be uh, comforted in times of difficulty, time of energy, and uh, bring our, our joys. And, uh, and it's a source of many, many things. So while we have put a great deal of energy into studying the, uh, the theology of what it means to be a Christian from an Anabaptist or Mennonite point of view, uh, I think we haven't 
put enough energy into studying the form of how can that be helped to happen. Uh, I talked to Pastor Yamada at World Conference, a uh, pastor from Japan. He came to North America to try to figure out who, who are these Anabaptists? What is the Christian faith from an Anabaptist perspective? He went to seminaries and universities, found 62 doctoral dissertations. He claims to have read them all, and he summarized them by saying, the uniqueness of both the early church and the early Anabaptist church was that they met in small groups where they confronted each other and made each other strong enough to confront the world. I think that's a pretty good summary and was worth his reading. Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, if I might dare so say so, I believe that a healthy small group where there is openness, honesty, fellowship, joy, that's as close as we're going to get to the kingdom of heaven on earth, as, or the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So if you aren't in that kind of a small group, I would encourage you to seek it first. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom is where we have right relationships with God and with each other, and I believe can be a very rewarding experience. So, if community is the center of our lives, as we have in core value number two, horizontal forgiveness is essential, and giving and receiving counsel is essential for knowing God's will and uh, will be helped to know God's will or, or God's way or to experience his kingdom in small groups that ought to be taken seriously. So, third core value is uh, reconciliation is the center of our work. And actually, those two go together. We have often felt that, that peace was the distinguishing mark of the Anabaptist movement. Not all the Anabaptists were pacifists. And, and I believe Arnold Snyder is helpful in helping us to see it's really the nature of the church that was unique and is unique to us, which we see in community, but also in its work of reconciliation. Some believers believe evangelism is the most important thing for the church to do. Others say, no, peacemaking is at the center. I believe we can bring those two together in the word reconciliation, that reconciliation is uh, the center of our work. And we do that, or ideally we do that in three ways. We uh, help reconcile individuals to God, we help reconcile church members to each other, and we seek to reconcile conflicted people in the world. Let's begin with that first one. How do we help reconcile individuals to God? There are four ways that have been seen. Excuse me, we, we look at these in seminary and then, and then pass them by a little bit. In the sacrific sacrificial system, uh, of the Old Testament, sin was transferred to an animal, and uh, which was killed or sent into the desert to die. Many continue with that sacrificial concept, 
and say the sins of the world were put on Jesus, who was killed to take care of the sins of the world. There's some truth to that. In the sacramental system, sin is taken away by the grace of God, which is symbolized in sacraments administered by the church. Uh, original sin is graciously removed from through infant baptism, the sins of ordinary people through the celebration of the Mass, and the final sins that in, come with us are dealt with through extreme unction. In the justification system articulated by Martin Luther, the sins of a person are taken away when an individual, by faith, accepts what God has done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, there's nothing we can do. God does it all in the system of justification. So how do we wade through all of this, which is so, so important for us? Uh, Many Christians from a Mennonite perspective, are, they uh, see things a bit differently, uh, which uh, might be called the transformational system. Upon confession of sin and a decision to follow Jesus in everyday life, persons experience a, uh, a new birth or a new start in life. Menno Simons talked repeatedly about being born again, as even Jesus did in John chapter 3. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When a person uh, repents of past loyalties and actions and makes a commitment to Jesus and the kingdom of God as he brought it to us. We have a friend who goes to church every Sunday, asks forgiveness for his sins, but his, his life really hasn't been transformed, hasn't been changed a lot. And he says, you know, I'm not different. I'm just forgiven. And we would say, hey, that's not quite good enough. That's not the way we understand it. Yeah. Each month I have the opportunity of visiting a, a young fellow, 21 years old. He's in prison for uh, alcohol, drugs, and sexual uh, abuse. At first, his greatest desire was, I want to get out of here so I can have another drink and I can have more sex. But we've worked with him and helped him to explore how God loves him and is not against him, that God wants to help him in his life, and that Jesus is there to show the way. And somehow, I can't fully explain it, but last time I talked to him, he said, you know, something is different in me now. I, I feel diff very differently. Uh, I know that God loves me, and I want to love God. I don't want to disappoint God. And, and there's a, a, a joyful thing, and I'm looking forward to meeting him at the gate in September when he gets out and help him to find a new community that I believe will reinforce his decisions. So... Uh, how do we help reconcile individuals to God? We help them to repent and to help them make a decision to follow Jesus in everyday life. There are excuse me, get my papers together here. 
So a summary would be a question, how do we reconcile church members to each other? Uh, Throughout history, uh, the church has used punishment as a way to try to bring about change. If a person was an alcoholic, they beat him up so that he would change. If a person misbehaved, he was put in prison. Uh, When the early Mennonites disagreed with the church leaders on baptism and the nature of the church, they were severely punished because they were members of the larger church and they were going the wrong way. So, uh, and uh, heresy was a uh, capital punishment, and so many were drowned and decapitated and burned at the stake. Christians from an Anabaptist perspective uh, have used another way to bring about change, and it's called the rule of Christ. If there's an agreement, disagreement, you go directly to that person and try to resolve it. If you can't get it fixed, take someone with you. If that doesn't work, bring it to the church. But through giving and receiving counsel, seek to bring that person or to a, a greater understanding and, uh, and help that person along. Also, uh, many of us have re- used what's called the re- recycling or the reconciliation cycle designed by Ron Crable. It also follows the rule of Christ and helps us to look, how do we help a person through denial and maybe through confrontation or care confrontation to bring them to confession and then to forgiveness and then to restitution. And there are ways that we can help each other resolve the conflicts. The early Christians worked hard at reconciling each other. The Acts 11 passage tells us about that. And they were successful. And they could say in the church, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male, slave or free, male or female. We're all one in, one, we're all one in Christ Jesus. We are reconciled. And that was a joyful statement that they could mean. So how do we reconcile members to each other? It is basically by helping them to see the wrong way, to to confess, to repent, and to make a clear decision to follow Jesus in everyday life. Let's carry this a step further. Finally, how do we reconcile conflicted people in the world? Uh, While people in the world are concerned about winning wars, and uh, disputes, Jesus says we are to love our enemies, do well to those who persecute us, and seek to serve all who have a need. It's the upside-down kingdom. I came to, uh, and uh, we, uh, we do that in a broken, broken world. There are so many needs in our broken world. Where do we start I suggest that each of us choose one concern or issue, something in the world or in our community that we know is not right, and give our time and energy to that. And and that is a way of seeking first the kingdom of God. Uh, In my situation right now, we have about 30,000 Muslims in our community in Waterloo, Kitchener, Waterloo. And uh, each Friday, I, I go to the mosque, 
uh, to worship. They have their worship services on Friday uh, afternoon. So I, I listen to the imam sermons, and, and then I pray. I get down on my knees. I put my head to the floor, and I pray to God as I know him in Jesus Christ. After our prayers, we get up, we shake hands, we have some in, in, in interaction with each other. And uh, I believe it's one way of seeking to reconcile conflicts or potential conflicts in the world. I'm afraid as this escalates, it could lead to World War III. And what is there in a small way that we can do to bridge the gaps and show each other that we care? After writing the first nine chapters in the book, I came to ask one more question, and that was, what is essential for effectiveness? What will it take to live this kind of life, to have this kind of effect in society and in our world? What will it take to reconcile individuals to God, church members to each other, and conflicted people and groups in the world. Some might say, well, it takes a superior organization and adequate financing. Well, I'm sure those are needed. But I came to believe uh, that it is the Holy Spirit who is essential. And Acts 11, the scripture that was, that was read, tells about how the Holy Spirit brought Gre uh, Greeks and, and Jews together and help them to a new place. The early Anabaptists were actually the charismatic movement of the 16th century. And I believe that we are recognized to, we are challenged to recognize that the Holy Spirit is key to, to the divinity and ministry of Jesus, who is the center of our faith. The Holy Spirit is essential to, uh, to healthy community, which is the center of our life. And the Holy Spirit is the power that makes possible reconciliation, which is the center of our work. Reconciliation is hard work, but there is nothing more satisfying than living a reconciled life and bringing other people into a reconciled community. So what are the core values of the kingdom? How can we humbly admit that we don't have it all together as a Mennonite people. But how can we also affirm and unapologetically say, God has given us some insights that are helpful for each other and for the world. So in summary, let's say these core values again. Say them with me. Jesus is the center of our faith. Community is the center of our life. Reconciliation is the center of our work. Let's sing those core values to the old camp song, Kumbaya. Join me. You're the center, Lord, of our faith.